Hey, baseball fans. I'm Matt Russell, and this is Three Strikes, You're Out, the baseball history podcast. With the World Series just recently completed, I have a really good one for you. He was the main power hitter on probably the best Baltimore Oriole teams ever, and one of my favorites on that team, the awesome Boo Powell. So let's get to it. Batter up! John Wesley Boog Powell played for 17 seasons in Major League Baseball between 1961 and 1977. He played primarily for the Baltimore Orioles, although he also played for the Cleveland Indians and the Los Angeles Dodgers towards the end of his career. This guy had tremendous power, having career years during the Orioles' great championship teams of the late 1960s and early 1970s. He was the American League Most Valuable Player in 1970 and was an excellent fielding first baseman on a team that had one of the best infields in all of baseball during that time. Among his many accomplishments, he was a four-time All-Star. He won the American League Most Valuable Player Award in 1970. He was an American League champion with the Orioles in 1966, 69, 70, and 71. He was a World Series champion twice with the Orioles in 1966 and 1970. He was the American League Comeback Player of the Year twice, 1966 and 1975. And he led the American League in 1964 with an outstanding 606 slugging percentage. Boog Powell was born on August 17, 1941 in Lakeland, Florida, the oldest of three sons born to Mr. and Mrs. Charles Powell. His younger brothers were Charles and Richard. His dad worked as a car salesman. Sadly, Boog's mother died when he was nine. A little later, his father remarried, and he gained a new brother, Carl, who was the same age as his younger brother, Charles. Powell said he received his unusual nickname, Boog, from his father. Powell explained, quote, In the South, they call little kids who are often getting into mischief buggers, and my dad shortened it to Boog. Hardly anybody ever calls me John. I don't know if I'd even turn around if someone called me that, unquote. When Powell was 12, he pitched for the Lakeland Little League team that made it to the Little League World Series in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. His brother Carl was the catcher, while his other brother Charlie played in the outfield. Unfortunately, his team's run was short-lived and lost to Schenectady, New York, 16-0 in the very first game. Later, his brother Carl Taylor went on to a six-year major league career, 1968-1973, mostly with Pittsburgh and Kansas City. His brother Charlie Powell also spent a couple of years, 1962 and 1963, with the Baltimore organization in the lower minor leagues. In Boog's teens, the Powells relocated to Key West, Florida, where he was a three-sport star in football, basketball, and baseball at Key West High School. He had several college football scholarships, but favored baseball over going to college. Based on scout Fred Hoffman's glowing reports on the 6'3", 235-pound prospect, Baltimore farm director Jim McLaughlin offered Powell a $35,000 bonus. At the age of 17, fresh out of high school, Powell started his climb through the Baltimore farm system at Class D Bluefield, West Virginia, of the short-season Appalachian League. Playing in 56 games, Powell slammed 14 home runs, drove in 59 runs, and batted 351. Clearly, he was on his way. Although Baltimore signed Powell as an outfielder, when he moved over to Clearwater in the Florida State Winter League, 
he was given intensive instruction on playing first base. Orioles field director Eddie Robinson, a former Major League first baseman, worked with Powell on the ins and outs of the position. Powell credited Robinson with helping him at the plate as well. I liked the way Robinson talked to me, he said. He didn't order that I try to hit with his stance. He just suggested what he thought I should do. Boog was promoted in 1960 to play at the Class B level with Fox Cities of the 3I League. He was stationed at first base for the season, fielding at a 983 clip, showing that the work he put in with Robinson was paying off. But it was at the plate that he really excelled. He hit 13 home runs and 23 doubles, and had 100 RBIs at the Foxes. The team, under manager Earl Weaver, won the league pennant. Fox City's general manager Bob Willis told visitors to the Foxes' ballpark to look at the clock high above the right center field fence. In batting practice one time, Powell hit a smash that ripped through a protective wire screen, broke the glass facing, and stopped the clock at 10 minutes after 7. We've had numerous hitters drive the ball against the clock, but until Boog came along, nobody ever broke it, Willis recalled. Powell made the jump to Rochester of the AAA International League in 1961 and led the league with 32 home runs while hitting 320 and 92 RBIs. He was called up to the Orioles late in the season and made his major league debut on September 27th at Yankee Stadium in New York. He collected his first major league hit the next day, a single off Bill Stafford in the third inning. His minor league numbers made Powell the most anticipated hitting prospect in Baltimore since the Orioles relocated from St. Louis in 1954. Baltimore manager Billy Hitchcock put Powell in left field in 1962, scrapping the plan to play the prize prospect at first base. Veteran Jim Gentile played first and was one of the team's few power hitters. Jim Gentile would be a tough man to move, said Powell. I like to swing a bat so it doesn't matter where I play. On May 2, 1962, at Metropolitan Stadium in Bloomington, Minnesota, playing left field against the Minnesota Twins and batting fifth, Powell hit his first two Major League home runs, a two-run shot off of Jim Cott in the third inning and another two-run homer off Ted Sadowski in the fifth. But Powell's promising rookie campaign was affected by injuries. On May 29th, he suffered a deep muscle bruise above his left knee when he ran into the left field fence in Detroit. He returned to the lineup on June 7th and was hit in the head by a pitch from New York's Bud Daly on June 13th and had to be taken off the field on a stretcher. Powell still managed to play in 124 games and hit 243 with 15 home runs and 53 runs batted in. Powell spent part of the offseason playing winter ball for Maya Gez in the Puerto Rico League. The extra work really paid off during the next season as he led the Orioles with 25 home runs and 82 RBIs in 1963 while raising his average to 265. I worked on spreading my feet a little more in Puerto Rico to keep from lunging. I was getting way out in front of pitches, he said. On August 10th in Washington playing the Senators, Powell became the first Oriole to hit three home runs in a game. On August 17th and 18th in Kansas City, he went 7-for-9 at the plate in two games, with three runs scored and three RBIs. He's swinging at fewer bad balls, he's got more confidence, and he knows the pitchers and how they're going to pitch to him, said Hitchcock. For 1964, Hank Bauer replaced Hitchcock as the Orioles' manager. Toward the end of the season, Bauer, who had played for some championship Yankees teams, found himself chasing his old club. 
On September 23rd, the Orioles were tied with the Chicago White Sox four games behind the Yankees. From then until the end of the season, the White Sox went 8-0 and the Orioles 7-1, but they couldn't catch the Yankees, who went 6-4 in their last 10 games. Baltimore finished the year with an excellent 97-65 record in third place, two games behind the Yankees. During that 1964 season, Boog showed the power output the Orioles fans were waiting to see. On June 27, 1964, Boog victimized the Senators again, connecting for three homers in Washington. As the season progressed, he was steadily zeroing in on Gentile's single-season Orioles home run record of 46. But a series of injuries, notably a sprained wrist suffered in Boston on August 20th, caused him to miss 28 games. He ended up pounding 39 home runs, driving in 99 runs, and led the league with a 606 slugging percentage. For a quick refresher, slugging percentage is the total number of bases a player gets through singles, doubles, triples, and home runs, divided by their total at-bats. The more extra base hits a player has, the higher his slugging percentage. So basically, this stat gives a decent measure of a player's ability to hit the ball with power. For comparison purposes, the 2016 Major League Baseball slugging average for all batters was 417. Now, here's a quick quiz question for you. Who holds the all-time career slugging percentage record? Not just for a season, but their whole career. Do you need a hint? I'll give you just one. He's the most famous baseball player of all time. Got it? It's Babe Ruth, with an amazing 690 slugging percentage. And remember, that is for his 22-year career. They truly broke the mold with him. Back to Boog Powell's story. After the 1964 season, the Orioles acquired Frank Robinson, relieving Powell of some of the pressure of being the team's main power source. Jim Gentile had been traded after the 1963 season. For the 1965 season, Bauer moved Boog to first base, but the big guy slumped. His home run total dropped to 17, and he hit just 248 with 72 RBIs. During the season, Bauer also fined Powell for being overweight. Boog battled to keep his weight down throughout his career. In 1966, Powell started the season going 1-for-34 at the plate, but rallied to hit a whopping 384 in June and went on to a fine season. He hit three home runs on August 15th against the Boston Red Sox at Fenway Park. He finished with a 287 average, 34 home runs, and 109 runs batted in, and was named the American League Comeback Player of the Year, as well as the American League First Baseman on the Sporting News All-Star Team. As expected, the trade for Frank Robinson hit the jackpot for the Orioles. Robinson won the American League Triple Crown and Most Valuable Player Awards, and led the Orioles to the pennant. In the World Series, Powell batted .257, but it was the Orioles pitching that grabbed the headlines. Led by consecutive shutouts by Jim Palmer, Wally Bunker, and Dave McNally in the last three games, Baltimore swept the L.A. Dodgers. The Orioles slipped to sixth place in 1967, hobbled by injuries to several players, Palmer, McNally, and Frank Robinson among them, and a few down seasons. Powell had a dismal year, hitting 234 with only 13 home runs. 
He was benched for much of the second half as Bauer played Kurt Bleffery at first base. The next year, 1968, the Orioles fired Bauer in midseason. Under his replacement, Earl Weaver, they finished in second place. Powell led the team in home runs with 22 and runs batted in with 85 and made the first of his four All-Star team elections. He struck out twice in two plate appearances during a one nothing defeat at the Houston Astrodome. He was named to the league All-Star team by the Sporting News after the season. Powell had a fantastic season in 1969, smacking 37 home runs and 25 doubles, and setting career marks in RBIs with 121 and batting average at 304. He was the American League's starting first baseman in the All-Star game. He had an 18-game hitting streak from May 9th to May 30th, falling too short of the club record set by Bob Neiman in 1956. On August 16th at Sixth Stadium at Seattle, he hit an inside-the-park home run off former teammate Steve Barber. He made only seven errors at first base. Boog has come so far in the last couple of years, said second baseman Dave Johnson. He used to hug the line and just cover the bag four or five years ago, playing every hitter the same. Now he'll come off, allowing me to shade second. After sweeping the Twins in the playoffs, the Orioles fell flat in the 1969 World Series, losing to the underdog New York Mets in five games. Powell had a disappointing series, hitting 263 with no extra base hits and four strikeouts. Baltimore had little trouble repeating as division champs in 1970, finishing ahead of the Yankees by 15 games. Again, it was Powell who led the offensive attack with 37 home runs, 104 runs batted in, 28 doubles, 104 walks, and a 297 batting average, with a 549 slugging percentage to top it off. He again started at first base in the All-Star game. After sweeping Minnesota in the American League Championship Series, the Orioles faced Cincinnati in the World Series. During Game 1, the Reds jumped out to a 3-0 lead after three innings. But in the top of the fourth, with one out, center fielder Paul Blair beat out a grounder down the third base line. First baseman Boog Powell strode to the plate to face Red starter Gary Nolan. The left-handed swinging Powell had been receiving a steady diet of breaking balls from Nolan. But he fooled me, or tried to, Powell later recalled. He threw me a fastball. Expecting a breaking ball, I got the bat around a little late. But even though I hit it to the opposite field, it went over the left field wall for my first series homer and cut the Reds' lead to 3-2. to two. In Game 4, Johnny Bench lifted a high pop towards the first base dugout. As Powell drifted over, he leaned over the dugout to catch the ball, but it hit his glove and popped out. Showing tremendous reflexes, he caught the ball barehanded to get the put out. Elrod Hendricks homered in the fifth inning to tie the game. In the bottom of the sixth, Red's first baseman Lee May sent a grounder down the third base line that just crossed over the bag. Brooks Robinson fielded the ball, and with his momentum carrying him into foul territory, stopped and gunned the ball off balance to first base. First baseman Powell stretched to catch the one-hopper and nipped May in the spectacular, at both ends, fielding play. The next two Reds hitters reached base, so a potentially disastrous inning was avoided. Brooks Robinson's seventh-inning home run gave the Orioles their first lead and eventually a 4-3 victory in Game 1. The Orioles ended up disposing of the Big Red Machine in five games. Boog hit 294 in the series with two home runs and five runs batted in 
and the Orioles were World Series champs. Powell was the overwhelming choice as the American League's most valuable player after having finished second in 1969. It's about time the Booger won it, said Detroit pitcher Denny McLean. He's been doing it for Baltimore for a long time. You know, without him, I regard the Orioles as just another team because you can pitch around Frank Robinson. With Powell behind him, though, you've got to throw strikes, and everybody knows what those guys can do to pitches over the plate. On a personal note, I remember the Oriole teams of the late 1960s and early 1970s very well. They were always in the playoffs and seemingly always had a shot at the World Series during this time. I have fond memories of watching those teams on TV. What a fantastic team they had. They had the great Frank Robinson in right field, who was a triple crown winner in 1966 and a gold glover at his position. This guy could do it all. They had the human vacuum cleaner, Brooks Robinson, on third base, a perennial gold glover, and I would say the best defensive third baseman of all time. Man, it seemed like he was always making an amazing diving play and throwing the runner out at first. Then there were gold glovers Mark Belanger at shortstop and Davey Johnson at second base. Boog was at first, of course, and Elrod Hendricks was at catcher. In left field, you had the fine-hitting Don Buford and another perennial gold glover, Paul Blair, in center field. Now you get to their amazing pitching staff. In 1970, you had three 20-game winners. Jim Palmer with a 20-10 record, Mike Cuellar at 24-8, and and Dave McNally at 24-9. and Fantastic! But in 1971, the Orioles had an amazing four 20-game winners on their team. Jim Palmer with a record of 20-9, and Mike Cuellar at 20-9, Dave McNally at 21-5, and and Pat Dobson at 20-8. Unbelievable! There has been only one other team in Major League Baseball history to have four 20-game winning pitchers. Care for a guess at what team that was? I sure didn't know this one. It was the Chicago White Sox, way back in 1920. The Orioles made it to the World Series again in 1971 after cruising through the pennant race and sweeping the Oakland A's and the ALCS. Powell fell off from his 1970 MVP season, and he was hitting below 200 into late June. Weaver issued a hit-or-sit ultimatum to Powell, and he improved, but just when he was coming out of his slump, he suffered a hairline fracture of his right wrist. He was out of action for two weeks. He finished the year with a 256 batting average, 22 home runs, and 92 RBIs. In the second game of the ALCS, Powell hit two homers off the Oakland A's great catfish hunter, but Baltimore ended up losing the World Series to the Pittsburgh Pirates in seven games. Powell had a tough series, hitting just 111 with only three singles in 27 at-bats. In 1972, Detroit snapped Baltimore's stranglehold on the American League East Division, taking advantage of the Orioles' dramatic offensive drop-off. Powell's batting average did not climb over 200 until mid-July. He tried wearing glasses in June in an effort to see the pitches better. Glasses are worth a try, he said, when word got out that he would try them. I'm not expecting them to be a cure-all. These things do sharpen things up a bit, though. They can't hurt anything. I've got to get all the advantages I can. But he quickly discarded them and discontinued trying different stances at the plate. I've come a long way, I'll tell you that, said Powell. I'm just seeing the ball and swinging the bat better, that's all. He ended up batting two fifty-two for the season, 
but that is a little misleading. In the last three months of the season, Powell had gone on a tear and collected 17 of his 21 home runs and 61 of his 81 RBIs. What a great three months. The Orioles regained the top spot in the American League East Division in 1973 and 1974, although they lost in the ALCS to Oakland in both years. Powell hit 265 in both seasons, but only played in 114 and 110 games respectively. A sore shoulder cut into his playing time in 1973. In 1974, the Orioles were in a close division race as the season came to a close. Powell was benched in late August in favor of Enos Cabell. Originally, I intended to keep him out of the lineup only three or four days, Weaver said. But when we went on a winning streak with Enos playing, I wasn't going to change anything. Inserted back into the lineup on September 13th, Boog hit four home runs and drove in eight runs to help the team to a 15-2 record the rest of the season and wrap up the division. The Orioles had tried to trade Powell at the end of the 1973 season and again during spring training in 1974, but found no takers. Frank Robinson had been traded to Los Angeles after the 1971 season and had subsequently moved to California and then Cleveland. In December 1974, the Orioles acquired slugging first baseman Lee May from Houston. Seemingly, Powell was going to be shown the door, one way or the other. When Indians general manager Phil Segee told Frank Robinson, now the Indians manager, that his old friend Boog Powell could be had for catcher Dave Duncan, Robinson replied, Yes, yes, yes. On February 25, 1975, Duncan and Al McGraw, a career minor leaguer, were sent to Baltimore for Powell and left-handed pitcher Don Hood. Cleveland opened its season at home against the New York Yankees on April 8th. Robinson directed the team as a player-manager that season and inserted himself into the lineup as the designated hitter. Robinson hit a first-inning home run off the Yankees' Doc Middich, but it was Powell who delivered the heroics in his Tribe debut. He went 3-for-3 three three with three RBIs, three runs scored, and a home run off Medich in the fourth inning. Robinson said that his homer was, quote, the single most satisfying thing that happened in the game, aside from winning, and close to that was Boo getting off to a good start, unquote. Satisfying might be the best word to describe Boog's 1975 season. He batted an excellent 297, hit 27 home runs, and drove in 85 runs. Just as impressive was his work at first base, he committed only three errors. Boog was voted the 1975 American League Comeback Player of the Year. This was his second such award, the previous coming nine years before. Said Robinson, quote, His batting average has been a pleasant surprise. We expected him to hit 20 to 25 home runs and knock in 70 to 80 runs, but the batting average has been an extra. We knew what he could do, and we knew he was better than those last two years in Baltimore, unquote. After his sparkling 1975 season, Powell's 1976 season was hampered by a torn thigh muscle in his right leg. For the first time in his major league career, he played in fewer than 100 games, only 89 of them at first base, and he hit just 209 with nine home runs. He was released at the end of spring training in 1977 and signed with the Los Angeles Dodgers. He was to give the Dodgers insurance against an injury to starter Steve Garvey but he had only 53 plate appearances and hit just 222, almost all as a pinch hitter, 
and was released on August 31st. At the age of 35, Boog Powell called it a career. And it was a really fine career. He was with the Orioles World Series champion teams in 1966 and 1970, the American League champion teams in 1966, 69, 70, and 71, and the American League East Division champion teams in 1969, 70, 71, 73, and 74. Talk about a winning tradition! He ended his 17 seasons with an overall 266 batting average, 339 home runs, 1,187 RBIs, and a 462 slugging percentage, and a 361 on base percentage in 2,042 games. Powell hit three home runs in a game three times and was second only to Eddie Murray on the Orioles' all time home run list until Cal Ripken Jr. surpassed him in 1994. And for about 11 years between 1964 and 1975, he was one of the most feared power hitters in the American League on a truly great team. In retirement, Powell made a series of famous Miller-like commercials in the 1980s for the Miller Brewing Company. He also operated a marina in Key West called Boog Powell's Anglers. In 1979, he was inducted into the Baltimore Orioles Hall of Fame. As of 2010, he ranked among the franchise leaders in many categories, third in home runs with 303, fourth in runs batted in, 1,063, fourth in walks, 889, fifth in games played, 1,763, and fifth in total bases, 2,698. After the Orioles opened Camden Yards, their new ballpark in 1992, Powell became a big hit with fans, operating Boog's Corner, a barbecue stand in the right field corner of the ballpark. Powell credited his wife for his successful transition to life after baseball. Without Jan, I would have done something, but not been nearly as successful, he said. On April 9, 2010, Powell and Brooks Robinson threw out the ceremonial opening day pitches and the celebration of the 40th anniversary of the Orioles' 1970 World Championship team. Boog said then, quote, I don't care how old you are or what you're doing. You know when opening day is. It's a special feeling. Get your heart pumping. Anything is possible. Unquote. Next time on Three Strikes, You're Out, we're going to try something a little different. We will feature a World Series special episode on the 1972 World Series between the Oakland A's and the Cincinnati Reds. The Amazing A's versus the Big Red Machine. This is still one of my all-time favorite series ever, full of great pitching, great plays, and timely hitting. It was a nail-biter to the finish. It'll be a fun one. See you in the bleachers. Special mentions go out to the following. I would like to thank YouTuber Mr. Runner Holly, look him up, for his permission to use his cover of Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Awesome, man. I love it. Also, I have to mention the great internet baseball history resource, Saber.org. That's S-A-B-R dot O-R-G. I use this extensively for my shows and really love their well-written and researched articles. I recommend you take a look. You won't be sorry. For show notes and a list of sources I used for the show, or to make a comment, please visit my website, threestrikesyoureout.com. Also, if you get a chance, please review the podcast in the iTunes Store app on your phone, tablet, or computer. Thanks. Thanks.